What's up, my friends? Thank you for taking the time to watch another podcast episode here on Facebook Live, my nice podcasting page, A Will Walker Show. Today's podcast, 10-5 Tom's Revenge, talking about what Brady did in his return to New England. Again, thank you for watching. Please follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. And also, while you're here on my nice podcasting Facebook page, please click the like button. Today's HBCU alum who made an impact in pro sports is Charlie Brackens from Prairie View A&M University. He was a three-time starter for Prairie View A&M under legendary coach Billy Nix. He led the Panthers to 33 victories in 36 and 37 games in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Um, he was drafted to play in the NFL. As a matter of fact, he is the first HBCU quarterback to play a game uh, in the NFL wasn't much it was in mop-up duty in 1955 but anyway and it was only one game that he played in the nfl but anyway that's not much of a pro impact to be quite honest with you but charlie choo choo brackens is today's uh hbcu alum that i want to bring to your attention who made an impact or who played in the nfl let's put it that way all right, speaking of Prairie View A&M, their win over Arkansas Pine Bluff on uh, last, Thursday, last Thursday night, 27-17. Big game for um, their quarterback, Mr. Uh, Javon Pass. He had, uh, two, as the team ran for 289 yards, he had 79, 70 yards rushing. And 59 of those came on a uh, fake handoff up the middle, and he uh, went 59 yards for a touchdown. So, Prairie View A&M is now 4-1, 3-0 in the SWAC. They look very strong there, so congratulations to Prairie View A&M. All right, let me talk about what happened yesterday in regards to Bubba Wallace. Not the Facebook, social media, outage thing, but the fact that Bubba Wallace was actually able to get his first NASCAR win. Although it was the rain stopped the race after it was deemed official. Hey, a win's a win. You take it how you can get it. Bubba Wallace is only the second African-American to win on the NASCAR circuit. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to the 2311 team that he races for. That's Denny Hamlin, one owner, and Michael Jordan, the other. So, hey, I, I'm not a big fan of NASCAR. Um, I don't think it's a very inclusive sport, um, although they are trying to include minorities. Hence, I saw an article on the undefeated about a young man by the name of Roger Carruth. Uh, Raja Karuth, who's uh, going to be rex racing in the Xfinity series. So maybe they are trying to get some diversity in the series. But I've worked a NASCAR event when I lived in Charlotte for a particular company I worked for. And it ain't many people like me going to these events, although there are some. It's just not many. And majority of the people whose skin tone in close to mine are going. And they're not very kind to um, drivers that don't look like them. All right, today the NL Wild AL Wild Card will be played. The NL Wild Card will be played uh, tomorrow on the sixth. But anyway, today the Yanks and the Boston Red Sox are going to be playing uh, for the AL Wild Card for the right to move on in the playoffs. Um, listen, this is probably the best rivalry in American sports. Uh, today we got two 92 win teams. Going head to head, the Yankees are more than likely going to start Garrett Cole with the Red Sox being at home. The Red Sox should have the advantage, but the Yankees are no stranger to Fenway Park. So I don't think they will be overwhelmed, but I think the home field advantage will try to give Boston um, an edge. But I like the Yankees to win because I picked the Yankees before the season. And moving over to the National League, that's going to be played tomorrow. We got St. Louis going against 
uh, the, the defending champion, L.A. Dodgers. Adam Wainwright is going to be going up against Matt uh, Scherzer, who came over to the Dodgers in midseason. The Dodgers won 106 games and they're playing in a wild card game. That just tell you all you need to know about the West. That's how strong the West was that the Dodgers won 106 games and the Giants were the winners of that division. But anyway, the cars at one time down the stretch won 17 straight games um, that, that, that secured that wild card spot for them. But the Dodgers are playing good baseball themselves. They have won seven straight games and nine of their last 10. So the Dodgers to me are the team to beat. I picked them to go back and back champions. So I'm gonna stay on that bandwagon. All right, on the games and individual performances in sports that got Will's attention. First, going to start off with pretty much what I thought with this show, Tom's Revenge, the both of the Pats. Let me see, both Barry, both Brady and Belichick, Belichick uh, both said, downplayed this game. And listen, everybody who's a sports fan know they both wanted this game. This wasn't an entertaining game to watch at all, but it did seem intense. The Pats were... Uh, were really one-dimensional throughout this entire game. They only ran the ball eight times. Eight times. And they only lost by two points. And they had a chance to win the game to make the field goal. But anyway, Mac Brady-Jones threw the ball 40 times and nearly pulled the upset. But anyway, Tom Brady was able to get his revenge at home. And then at the end of this ball game, there was this brief little midfield hug or, I don't know, between Brady and... And Belichick and people were going, well, it, it looked cold. Listen, it looked like that's how two dudes should hug each other for at least a couple of seconds. And that's the end of it. I don't want to see two dudes give a warm embrace after a football game. Quick, brief hug. Respect what you did. Wish you best of health. Move it on. I don't get why people thought that should have been something more than what it was. All right, let me move on. Uh, cars and Rams. This result shocked me. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I watched most of this game mainly because I had Kyler Murray in my daily fantasy pick on Sunday and he delivered for me. I actually got the win, but Kyler Murray is as fast as Michael Vick, but he is really accurate thrower. This dude is completing 76% of his passes this season. So he has been projected or the leading or the early favorite for the MVP, which I think is dumb. There's still 13 freaking games to go. I don't know why this is a thing, but of course people need something to talk about. They need something to fill content. So they come up with an, who's leading the early MVP race and it's still 13 games to go, but Hey, it is what it is. After the, after what the Rams did the previous week to the Buccaneers and to come follow that up with a disappointing performance, um against the cardinals and uh, a division foe at that and i just was surprised and now they got a tough one coming up with the seattle seahawks who won over the uh 49ers um garofalo went out of that game in the first half he didn't play in the second half but give the 49ers a little credit they were able to make a spirited comeback even without garofalo in the game and the seahawks only won by seven but anyway back to the Thursday night matchup between the rams and the seahawks I like the Rams to be able to go ahead and do it. I know that it's going to be a 12th man advantage or a 12th man home field for the Seahawks, but I think the Rams are going to be spitting mad. It's a short week. They get to get that bad taste out of that mouth of that whooping that the Cardinals put on. All right, the individual performance that got my attention, Tyreek Hill, uh, 11 catches on Sunday for 186 yards and three touchdowns. The last one he got, the distance between him and that DB it's pretty much what it's been in this league. I don't know why you would man-to-man -man this cat. I don't even know why you would think Pat Mahomes can't get the ball down the field to this guy standing flat-footed, backpedaling, whatever. Pat Mahomes is a very talented thrower 
of the football. He's a professional athlete. He's been doing this now for the three years he's been a starting quarterback. And I'm pretty sure the Eagles, as professionals, as much study, as much film as they study, the coaches, the players, I'm pretty sure they know that Patrick Mahomes can make some of the most awkward throws look normal and can throw the ball really far. So why not stick as tight as possible to Tyreek Hill, even when the play breaks down? I get he's super fast, but hey, you still pay attention to that guy. But anyway, on that last one, it just was it was embarrassing how wide open he was. But 11 catches, 186 yards uh, in a Kansas City win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Where's all right, the rest around the rest of the NFL. Let me first start with my Miami Dolphins. Before I get to that, let me talk about the Monday night game and Justin Herbert throwing three touchdown passes in the first half of that Monday night game. I'm still going to try to say I said this and I like to be right that I thought the Dolphins should have picked Justin Herbert over Tua Tonga Valor, but they didn't. So I'm going to give Tua a chance. It's only his second year. He hasn't had that many starts, but boy, am I starting to really look at it like, man, Chris Greer, your job is on the line. If, if that kid... Justin Herbert becomes a superstar and Tua just becomes a game manager. There are going to be a lot of people looking at. Y'all made a dumb pick. Point blank period. Just trying to told you. But anyway, Charles just won last night, 28-14 over the overrated Raiders. I said this before the Raiders went into this game and although they were 3-0, they overrated. But back to my Miami Dolphins. Another stinker at home. They got shut out by the Bills in the previous home game. And this time they come come back and they lose by 10 points to Carson Wentz. They lost to Carson Wentz at quarterback by 10 points. That's all you need to know. Carson Wentz hasn't been good since before he got hurt when he was leading the Philadelphia Eagles in that season when they won Super Bowl and he wasn't even the quarterback. It was Nick Foles. But the Dolphins lost to Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor had another not stellar day, but another productive day, productive day in Joe Robbie Stadium against a Miami team. He did it against the Hurricanes when he was with Wisconsin, and now he does it to the Dolphins uh, as a Colt. I don't know what to say about the Dolphins. This one and three start is not what I expected. I knew the first five games were tough, but a start off for those games at one and three is very disappointing. I know it was tough. But it's very disappointing for them to start off one and three. Speaking of a team that should be totally disappointed for losing to a backup quarterback or a quarterback, I don't think this that's good. It's got to be the Atlanta Falcons losing to the Washington football team and Tyler Heineke or Hennekin or whatever his name is. Heineke, Heineke. All right, they lost and then they were winning this ball game. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now one and three. They lose to the Green Bay Packers, twenty-seven to seventeen. Another ten-point loss. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers have not looked the same since they started eleven and zero last season. You know the Saints. They lose to the Giants to Daniel Jones and the Giants. I thought the Saints would struggle and they would be one of the teams battling for like one of those last wild card spots. But losing to the Giants is not what I thought could be possibly happen because they don't have a quarterback. So the Giants get their first win of the season as they uh, go into New Orleans and win. They went there and won. And the Jets beat the Titans. The Titans walk away. They go into New, New York and lose. And the kid was actually trying to give them the ball. I mean, trying to give them the game, Zach Wilson, with all the turnovers that he had or the interceptions. And yet still the Jets were able to make a comeback win and win in overtime as the Titans missed the field goal as time expired in overtime. But anyway, big time win for the Jets. I hate the Jets. And then we got the Ravens over the Broncos, 23-7. So the Broncos get their first loss of the season. And the Ravens now have won three straight after their opening uh, weekend loss to uh, the Raiders. 
So there you go. And now, last but not least, let me talk about the dang on Dallas Cowboys. Okay, Dallas is three and one. They beat a, they they gave the Panthers their first loss this season. Dallas, Dallas, the LA Lakers, or any team LeBron plays on, the Yankees, these teams, the Notre Dame Fighting these teams, when they do well, I don't care what the opponent is, as long as their record is positive, people just go crazy. Their fan base goes nuts. They go all over social media and make some of the most outrageous proclamations. And in my case, it don't even have to just be social media because I know two Dallas Cowboy fans who one seems to think that the Dallas Cowboys are now going to the Super Bowl. I don't know what he's smoking. I don't know how good it is. I don't want any of it because I stopped smoking. But anyway, he is smoking some serious dope or some serious whatever it is to think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be representing the NFC in SoFi Stadium this year as the representative for the NFC in the Super Bowl. It's not happening. They're not that good. Yes, I get it. They are three and one and they will fat and that record will get will get better because they play in a trash division. So they may end up with 12 wins and five losses. I still don't see them being all that good and moving on in the playoffs. All right, let me turn my attention to my favorite sport, the world's game of football, soccer, as you know it in this country. My clean sheet podcast, my soccer only uh, version of the shows that I present. So here we go. Let me first start off with Man City versus Liverpool. One of the best matches, uh, one of the best games period I saw over this past weekend was that match between those two teams. 2-2 draw. Not happy about it, but these are two of the best Premier League teams in the league. Both are at the top of the table with Liverpool in second and Manchester City in third. Uh, I saw some outstanding play in that game, but nothing was nothing more outstanding. I saw some outstanding play in this game, but nothing more outstanding than what Mohamed Salah did to embarrass my Man City defenders. He beat three uh, from the wing, then he got in the box and beat my center back Laporte and, and just made a class finish. Uh, to the opposite corner of the goal. So um, that put Liverpool up 2-1 and then from their world-class player and then my world-class player on my Man City's Manchester City side, Kevin De Bruyne was able to equalize and make it 2-2. So it was just great play on both sides. Both managers' uh, tactics were proven to be vital. Neither team can get the edge. You know, Jurgen Klopp is very good at what he does for Liverpool. And of course, Pep Guardiola is one of the best uh, managers in the world and he's very good for Manchester City there was speed there was drama there was intensity there was the the atmosphere from the crowd because the last time Manchester City played at Anfield they were able to get a win but there was no crowd present but now the crowd was there the best pregame show was uh came um was 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 shown of uh, the Manchester I mean I'm sorry the Liverpool crowd singing never walk alone probably the best pregame um, atmosphere or the best pregame ritual in all the sports on any continent. It doesn't matter to me. I think that's just the best. But anyway, so Liverpool, Manchester City, two top Premier League teams, probably two top European teams, 2-2 two, two draw. I want to speak about Atletico Madrid beating Barcelona 2-0 and Luis Suarez getting his revenge against Barcelona just like Tom Brady got his revenge against the New England Patriots. Here's the thing about what happened between Suarez and Barcelona. So Barcelona's manager, Coleman, called Luis Suarez and told him, said, look, your services are no more longer needed. It was a brief phone call. 
They even let this cat walk for free. Matter of fact, they even gave him money to go away. So he goes over to Athletic Cobra Madrid. As soon as he joins that team, they go to the top of the table of La Liga last year. And right now, they're leading the La Liga at the top of the table this season. Suarez had to be chomping at the bits for this game uh, to go against Barcelona. And he delivered. He got a goal. And most of the times in uh, top European club level football, when you play against your former side, and especially if you had success there, you don't really want to show them up. You don't want to celebrate just want to act like his business as usual. Well, Suarez made a little small gesture of a phone. And that was a shot towards Ronald Coleman and that brief conversation he had with him uh, two summer transfer windows ago. So I ain't mad at Luis Suarez. Plus, I'm an American. We like that kind of stuff. We like, you know, you showing up your opponent or you basically rubbed it in your opponent's face. That doesn't probably, that does not play well over in Europe, but it doggone show plays well here in the United States. I'm just going to straight up try to told you. Right now, the top European teams are on international break. Um, and of course, the international break means that my U.S. men's national team will get a chance to play on the world qualifying, three world qualifying games in CONCACAF. Um, this first match will be up against Jamaica on Thursday. Then they will play against Panama, against Costa Rica. These, all three of these matches are winnable. If you ask me, I don't care if Christian Pulisic and Giovanni Reina are not playing. These are winnable matches for the United States men's national team. Um, with Brendan Aronson on one side, you got, you can play Tim Weah. You can, you can play Ricardo Pepe from um, FC Dallas up front. I mean, there are still options for this team, even without Christian Pulisic and Giovanni Reina. And then you got the solid midfield with Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. So they should win this game. Jamaica's not going to be easy. They're a feisty side. They got pace over there. I expect to win. I expect them to beat Panama, even in Panama, because I think the U.S. has more quality than Panama. I expect that Costa Rica match to be tough, even though it's going to be on U.S. soil. I expect it to be tough, but I expect the U.S. to be able to pull um, and get the three points. So I expect the U.S. to walk away from these three matches with nine points. That's just the way I see it. Okay, so on Wednesday, it's going to be Italy versus Spain. So the defending Euro, uh, the current uh, Euro champions are going to be going up against Spain. That should be an interesting contest, but I think Spain has, I mean, Italy just has too much quality for Spain. And then we got really a very nice matchup coming on on that Thursday between Belgium and France. Um, that's going to be on ESPN too. I'm going to make it a way to watch that even even if I have to DVR and you know, because of my third shift job and I probably won't be up, but I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I, I want to see that match on DVR and, and watch it in its entirety. So that's going to be big coming up. I close the podcast the same way. Every single time say a prayer for somebody because prayer changes things. I call it. Eight.